0: Welcome to the podcast we are recording this episode at the teach for all alumni social innovator global gathering in Kuala Lumpur Malaysia in July 2018 in this episode we are speaking with Felicia and David who are the co-founders of Aris Academy they are both teach for Malaysia alumni the team at Arras develops and runs different programs focusing on multiple 21st century skills at their headquarters in Penang and also at the Maker Studio in Shah Alam. The content of the program programs ranges from design thinking, robotics, programming, data analytics and 3D modeling to encourage a maker mindset in their students. Enjoy the conversation. David and Felicia, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having us in your lovely country this week and really looking forward to our conversation. So uh, maybe start by telling us a little bit about your organization. What problem are you trying to solve and how does your organization plan to solve it? And I'd also love to hear about how the idea came about and how you got started.
1: My name is David.
2: And I'm Felicia.
1: And we are both. Teach from Malaysia 2013 cohort alumni. So there are four co-founders for ARUS Academy. So there is Felicia and I, and also Dania and Alina.
2: So how ARUS got started, it very much started in the classroom for the four of us. Because we were teaching um, in schools, we pretty much faced the same problem, which was student was not motivated in the classroom. And as teacher, we try to find out why. And although we were all teaching in different schools, we realised the reason was, was the same. Uh, students was, were not motivated because they could not see relevance in what they study. They go to school every day, they don't know why. I mean, you know the fundamental reason. You're supposed to be going to learn, but, but they don't see that. You know, They don't see it as learning, they, they see it as a waste of time. So we as teachers, we try to think, how do we engage the students when we know learning is amazing? We know that knowledge can bring you so many things, can solve problems around the world. But how can we show students that? And what we realise also that when students are given the chance to sort of make given opportunities, they excel very far. And that's where the idea of ARUS came about, you know, to get students to learn through making and giving them all these 21st century skills, such as coding and programming, but with a purpose. So we want students to make with a purpose, and when they start wanting to create all this solution, they'll realize that they need all this knowledge. They need knowledge like science, mathematics, and even language, if they are to create this solution for problems that they see every day. Um, and that's why we chose the Maker Education approach, because As makers, you you don't wait for people to to create something. You create it, you see a problem, you do something, you create and you solve it. And that's basically how we started. Our vision has always been focused on the students. Our vision is to actually nurture students to be empathetic, proactive, uh, creative, and innovative. And it's through the education that they receive. And how we do it is... It's not something that is set in stone, I would say. Um, For now, we definitely think the maker approach is working for the students. But in five or ten years down the road, that may not be the case uh, because education changed very quickly. Our focus has always been looking for the best way to engage students. Uh, For now, we see that this works and we will continue doing it. Uh, But at the same time, we're very aware of what what else is going on in the world Uh, as as what we want the students to be doing as well. You know, knowledge is something... You know, you can Google information so easily. It's how you use all this knowledge that is going to be important. How are you going to look at a physics principle to say, I can use this to solve problems around me? Real world problems. Real world problems, yeah. Uh, We look into the UN Sustainable Development Goals because everyone is looking into it and not... And even adults can't really find prob- solutions to it yet. And, and we are getting the students to think because they are part of it. You know, when we talk about zero hunger, no poverty, they are part of it. They are part of the people that are involved in poverty perhaps, or involved in hunger. What can they do for their community? Uh, what can they create to help solve these problems? Yeah.
0: Got it. Got it. Um, and, you know, so the idea came about in the classroom, what you learned from your own kids about your mm-hmm. own kids, and now that you've been in this work for some time, so, I wonder, I wonder how has
1: your understanding of the problem evolved over time? So one of the things that we realize is, as we work with more students from more school, this is not only a problem that students from disadvantaged community face; mm-hmm. it's a problem that all students in Malaysia face. That's true. Is mm-hmm. that just that the way it, they are facing it is different? So for Students who have lower academic achievement, they might face a problem this way. But for students who have higher academic achievement, they will face problem another way. So it's, it's the same problem of students not being able to, not being able to apply what they have learned. Learning for them is for the purpose of answering an exam, not so much of for the purpose of you know using the knowledge that you learn to do something about it or to practice it in real life. Students oftentimes they see oh I'm learning uh, Pythagoras theorem, but why am I learning it? I'm learning about you know, sign, cost, and tangent, but why am I learning it? So we give them a reason to learn it. There's a reason why you're learning Mm. Pythagoras theorem. You have to do the drawing certain way. You have to measure the height of certain things. There's a reason why you learn about statistics because you analyze survey data. We give them a reason to Mm. learn. We also give them a way, an avenue for them to practice what they have learned. And that is oftentimes not seen in our education system. True. Do you have anything to add?
2: Um... I think similar because we work with similar students. Um, nothing has sort of changed in terms of our understanding with students. It's still very much um, mm-hmm. what what we see is, I guess, more of validation of it um, because I've seen students that through through the approach that we have, it's not just. Um, things that they are involved in, you know, with subjects in school, they are starting to see the connection with things that are happening around them. They are more aware of things that are happening. I'll give you an example. One boy, um, he was telling me, and it was, it was so simple. And he was just saying, uh, he plays basketball, he loves basketball. And he was learning biology, biology, and that's a ATP energy thing. And he was like, teacher, I, I finally know why. We learn biology because, you know, with the ATP generation, I can see it happening in my basketball session, how it gives me more energy and things like that. And that's what we want, you know, and that's what we want the students, like this little connection, this little joy of learning, to see that it's so relevant to you, you know. It's not just about math and money, you know, that you see every day. It's that There's so much more than that, yeah.
0: Yeah, and... Tell us a little about uh, about how you've grown from when you started in terms of your scale and numbers. Mm. And I know you're in two different locations right now. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm keen to understand how did that decision come about? Mm. Uh, how is that relevant to your operating model?
2: Mm. So how ARUs work mm. is that we have sort of two, two different areas of work that we focus in. So in Penang, we very much focus on the groundwork, which is uh, where David and Daniel, two of our co-founders, is at. They reach out directly to students and they do all the community outreach. And a lot of the programs that the students do not pay for them because the community simply cannot afford them. Uh, But in KL is where the funding comes in. So in KL is also where we have the bigger corporate companies, uh, the actual Ministry of Education, the clients, uh, that is also interested in education. So we create our own content at our centre, and people saw how effective it was with the students, and that gave us the idea of the revenue-generating side. Before this, we thought of the traditional cross-subsidisation. You know, technology, who doesn't want to learn tech? So we thought people would be willing to pay for it, and then it would subsidise the the non-paying student. But that takes a lot of sales, you know, to to convert it and change it. And we personally are not salespeople. That is not our strength. What our strength is, is really content development, because we're teachers, we know the students, we know the curriculum. Uh, So we leverage on that. so at the end of our first year, we actually got engaged with MDEC. It's a Malaysia government agency. And they, their main job is actually to bring tech companies into Malaysia. And what they realise is that our Malaysian talent is not ready for that. So they want to go into schools and train students to be ready for it, but they don't have the expertise. So they approach us, and this is where we saw the business opportunity. So they hire us as consultant, as content developer, to create content for them, um, using what we already have, but adapting more to a little bit of their context. Uh, At the same time, Because they are a government agency, they are able to connect us with the Ministry of Education as well. So we had the opportunity to actually work directly with the Curriculum Development Unit and create sort of computer science modules uh, and create all these different content. And that was where we realised we can use that as a revenue-generating area. You know, providing expertise consultation, and because of that, we realized we needed to be in KL because that's where all the main main corporates, main NGOs are operating, uh, and that's why that we have these two regions where we operate. So one on KL is more on a higher systemic level, trying to reach out in a wider scale. In Penang, is very much very deep impact directly with the students, uh, running as much programs as we can with them, and really keeping in touch with the community. Yeah.
1: So what we do in Penang is that we do a lot of community work. We work with the State Education Department, we provide teacher training, we upskill the teachers, the Malaysian curriculum just went through a major change mm. where we are switching over to a new self-curriculum that includes new subject, new content knowledge that the teachers are not necessarily prepared for. So we work with State Education Department um, to provide upskilling trainings to teachers across the five districts, uh, basically to all the schools in Penang. Mm. We also run our own in-house programs for primary and secondary school children. Locally, we also run a community science fair Um, In Penang, there's a major science that happens every year. We run the smaller scale version in the township that we are in um, for the students around our centre. So like what Felicia said, the Penang work is a lot to do with how do we go on the ground level, how do we help the students from a grassroots perspective, how do we support the teachers from a more grassroots in-school implementation kind of perspective rather than a big picture systemic view. So I guess one way you can say that the KL is working from a more top-down approach and the pinning is looking more of a bottom-up approach. Right.
0: And I wonder if you'd have, you know, your th- what's your thinking on growth and scale and if you'd have mm-hmm. a lesson or two for budding entrepreneurs, existing social
1: entrepreneurs that you would offer in thinking about scale? I think the most important thing for any social entrepreneur when they start out is to find your, your niche, like what you're good at. Um, it's I think it's very important for social entrepreneurs to realize that it's very important to do one thing really, really well rather than doing five things half ass You know, it's when you're doing something really well, people start noticing it and that becomes your niche area. Social enterprise is just like any other enterprise out there. You need to find your own unique selling point. Where do you stand in the, you know, convoluted map of social enterprises, social uh, NGOs out there. What's your niche? What do you work on? What are you really good at? And when you find that, then you have the choice of either going deeper into that or branching out to do another thing really well. Cool.
0: And uh, I imagine as the organization has evolved, you, you have to evolve your own leadership right, to, to, uh, to manage that evolving organization and the changing dynamics. So I wonder, you know, from that time in classroom and the, f- the first time that idea sprung up and you started the organization to now... How have you needed to evolve in your own leadership?
2: Definitely. So as the company grows... Uh, as the organization grows, we have to there's a lot of things that change with it. We started off with just the four of us. So in terms of the people dynamics, it was very easy. We already knew each other, we knew how each other worked. Uh, so it was very easy to to get a lot of things done. But if you're gonna increase your impact, you know you have to grow as well. in terms of numbers, uh, your your own organization numbers have to grow. And um, as you grow, you really have to learn about people management. Um, and there's a few things that comes with it. There's the recruitment part, getting people that share the same values as you, not so much skills. I think skills is something that we can develop. But sharing the same vision, the same values, that, that four of us understand so naturally to get other people to be on board, uh, that is something that is not easy as well, finding the right people. And then once they come in, to get them to stay on board with the mission, that is something else as well. And to also give them the sense of ownership. Because us four as co-founders, you will always feel like you're part of this, you know, because it's, it's your organization, you started it. But how do you get your employees, your team members to feel like they're also really part of this and they have a part, a very important role to play to make this organisation or our mission, a really successful one. You know, they, how do you get them to really believe it and and really work towards that rather than you're just doing another job? You know, I think we learn a lot with that. I think we're still learning. Definitely, uh, we have we have grown from four of us to eleven uh, staff now. Um, We've learned quite a lot in that process, uh, but there's still quite a lot that we have to work in that sense.
1: For me, I think the learning more will come from the personal development. I'm a very strong ENTP person, so that means I like to argue. I like to prove myself right. So over the past four or five years, uh, I've learned to be more patient. I've learned to be more of a mm-hmm. listener rather than a speaker. I've learned to also accept you know, differences in opinion. I think for me, that is one of the biggest personal growth that I have um, mm-hmm. after... Co-founding Arus, I think that helps me to develop a stronger interpersonal skills and also to be able to listen to um, my staff's feedback and then take into consideration of their viewpoint to make a decision collaboratively and collectively. I think that's that's a lesson that I've learned um, throughout my time um, building up Arus. Amazing. Thank you for
0: sharing that. And my last question, really, for you is, you know, we are in this, like I said. Uh, sloppy city of KL that you all are hosting us in gathered here with about 25 other social entrepreneurs from around the network and you know starting an organization social entrepreneurship can be a lonely job right you had the four of you yeah. so that's good but I wonder what a, what do you see as the role of this community of entrepreneurs mm-hmm. uh, and the kind of spaces that is uh, that are created over these over this week What's the importance of that in your own growth for your organisation?
2: For for me personally, I have been so inspired uh, in the past few days through this global gathering, mainly because everyone is doing really amazing things and there's so much that you can learn from each other. Every organisation is at a different stage uh, but yet there's so much that we are learning from each other. I think the most valuable session that I have had here is actually listening to all these different organizations, what has worked for them, what has not worked for them. Being able to to learn from them has been very valuable. I I like how we all share a common, in a way, a sort of common background. We're all sort of part of this teach for um, organization in our own country. And we all sort of have that common background of that teaching experience. So we sort of come together uh, sort of our background is very similar so the people at this gathering we sort of come from a similar background looking at all these social problems, and it's nice to sort of have that common ground but looking at all these different ways that people are actually tackling the problem and when you listen to all these problems you realize Oh, I have that too. And like you sometimes you can be the one suggesting solution. Sometimes they can be the one sharing solutions with you. And that personal gathering, I think, is so much more effective because you you really get to have a chance to have an in-depth conversation with them to really understand their organisation and how you can then use it for your own organisation. I think that in itself is very valuable. On top of all the amazing sessions that we had, but I think just having all these amazing and inspirational people around you really push yourself to want to go further as well.
1: Personally, I think... um... Well, there's two, two facets to it, right? The first one is that we didn't teach from Malaysia. Teach from Malaysia is a very young teacher organisation. And yet we have many social entrepreneurs within the network, even though it's only six years old. We do work with each other, we do meet with mm-hmm. each other. But at the same time, we are limited by our very skilled lens, also very limited lens of looking at the education solution around the world. So in Malay, there's a saying, it's like you are a frog beneath a well, so all you see, the sky is just that round circle above you. Meeting with other social entrepreneurs across the T-1 network, it's like jumping up the well. So now you see the sky is much bigger. Um, I only wish that it could accommodate even more people so we mm. know even more solutions around the yeah, world. I, I think th- I think that that puts our lens, we, so it's not just looking at the sky, we are looking at the sky with a telescope so we can see much more things out there. Uh, which mu- with a much powerful telescope to see you know things from eons away. Mm-hmm. I think that it's very important because, like what Felicia said, right? The problems are so similar across the world, whether it's from Mal- Malaysia to Mexico to Peru to uh, New Zealand. If the problems are similar, that means the solution must be there must be some commonalities among all the solutions. Some of the co- some of the solutions might not exist in Malaysia. Some of the solution that's in Malaysia might not exist in Mexico. So when we meet each other, there is that cross-pollination of ideas happening and together we can make a much stronger, much bigger global impact on the students' community, which I think is really, really powerful.
2: Yeah, I think just to add a little bit on that, uh, we talk a lot about listening to each other, a lot of thinking. I think what this program is great as well is it does not just get you to connect with all these people to think about the system yourself and how it works but it also gets you thinking about doing because you know there is a time where we have to then reflect and work out what is the next step and I think that is very important at every gathering you can have all these thoughts and ideas and and all this inspiration but you have to also then on the spot think okay what is next that I want to do for my organization? You know, now that I've know all these new things, who immediately I can work with, what I can improve for my organization. To have that that session where we really think about the next step, I think that is also very important. Uh, and I think it's so it's so nice to have it here, yeah, as one of the one of the last few sessions.
0: Amazing. Thank you for speaking with me, and thanks again for hosting us. You're
2: welcome.
0: Awesome.